How do you let your customers know what your terms and conditions and what your policies are in your business? How do you protect yourself from a customer who demands some kind of service that you know you don't offer or demands a refund when you advise them that there are no refunds on your programs? This is called your terms of use. And it's the topic of this week's podcast because it's a very important part of your business and of your website. Welcome to the Goals, Profit, and Soul Business Show Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hoffman, founder of the GPS Business Academy, the premier business training and coaching company. Our focus is on the synergy of process and profits, strategy and soul. And we provide expert business advice, resources, and training for startups, restarts, and expanding empires. And we've been doing it since 2012. We specialize in teaching entrepreneurs how to create high-value, high-volume, high-growth businesses. I'm an eight-time best-selling author, radio host, globally recognized business and energy congruence expert. Thank you for joining me on this week's Goals, Profit, and Soul Business Podcast, and I hope you'll learn something that motivates, energizes, and supports your entrepreneurial ambitions. Let's get started. In every business, there are expectations of performance. The customer has certain expectations of performance from the business, and the business has expectations of performance from the customer. These expectations must be well-defined and clear in order for the business transactions to happen smoothly and without disruption. In this podcast, we're gonna talk about the terms of service which is where you, as the business owner, define the expectations that you have of your customers as well as how your service is going to be delivered to your customer. This is an important aspect of your business because without a terms of service document, you have no legal basis to protect yourself in the event that a customer decides to take legal action against you for non-performance or for not meeting their expectations, no matter how unreasonable they may be. One of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize when they put up a website and they start a business online is that they're running a real business. So you are actually in business. You have to follow the laws of business in your state or your local jurisdiction or in your country. And you have to run your business like a business, which means you need to have standards, terms and conditions. You need to have ways of fulfilling your customers' expectations, but also their needs and their wants. You need to make sure that you're fulfilling your purchases and customers are getting what they paid for. But you also need some things in place to make sure that you don't get taken advantage of. And if you ever find yourself on the wrong end of a lawsuit, that you are able to substantiate your position. And you do this by having terms and conditions. Let's go over what this is. So this can be called terms of service, terms of use, or terms and conditions doesn't matter what you call it, as long as you have these eight main points addressed in a very prominent place, and I would say 
that it needs to be at the bottom of your homepage with the link next to your privacy policy, but also that customers have to check off that they have read and understood it before they complete a purchase. What terms of use, terms and conditions, terms of service are, it's guidelines for your business operations. It lets customers know what to expect when they're doing business with you. It also protects you from legal liability when you are enforcing a policy or in the case of a customer legal action. Now you might think, oh, my customers are great. They love me. They would never take legal action against me. Well, maybe not, but maybe so, and you really need to be prepared for it. For example, I know someone who a few years ago held a big event. A customer was doing something that was standing on a chair or something, which they should not have been doing, but they fell and hurt themselves and ended up suing him for quite a bit of money. And he ended up having to pay for it because he didn't make the customer sign a waiver of liability before he held his event. I've had other people that I know who have been sued by customers or who have had customers take advantage of their policies because they weren't clearly defined or they were non-existent. So here is what your terms of use, your terms of service, whatever you want to call it, this is what they can include. Number one is your privacy policy. Now, this is usually a separate entry from your terms of service. And your privacy policy is very important because privacy is such a big deal today. And especially if you are in the EU or you are serving customers from the EU, you need to have a privacy policy that meets GDPR standards. Now, I'm not on board with GDPR, especially as a U.S.-based and U.S.-owned business, but I can tell you that the people who are in the EU need to follow GDPR guidelines with respect to privacy, getting permission, and things like that. I'm going to put it in the side here. The EU says you have to do this. They have no legal jurisdiction in the United States. And as long as you are not specifically marketing to EU customers where your business only gets customers from EU-based businesses, you are not impacted by GDPR. And if they try and come after you, you need to contact your member of Congress. But GDPR has very strict privacy requirements, which a small business, a small single owner home-based business like me, and like a lot of you have, simply can't meet. It's just ridiculous for us to try and meet them. So you're going to have a privacy policy anyway that basically states that you handle customer data as you are supposed to according to like CAN-SPAM Act and various privacy laws. You don't sell or rent your email list, which you don't. You don't spam your customers. Only the people who have actually signed up and confirmed their email registration are on your mailing list. That's your privacy policy. Number two is your copyright policy. Now this is one that is especially near and dear to my heart since I am the victim of a content thief. Actually more than one person has stolen my content. One in particular has been a consistent content thief. She is a well-known content thief. And if you read my series on copyright infringement, and number three in that series is the story of how I discovered that this supposed business coach was stealing content from me and what I had to do to out her because she won't stop but I had to out her and, and be very public about the fact that she was stealing my content. 
So what you need to put in your copyright policy is, first of all, you need to have the copyright for the date. So if, if your website has been up from like 2004 to 2021, and that's what you put in your copyright statement. Also, I would include, which I have in mind, that I own copyright on all the content in my website. It is illegal to copy it or to use it in any way whatsoever, and that I specifically trademark certain terms, but I also claim trademark on everything in my site. This is to protect you in case somebody like Christine Kane of Uplevel You, now she's called the sole source entrepreneur, steals your content, which again, I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true, but I have had content stolen. So copyright protection is something that's very close to me. So do make sure that you have a copyright statement. Again, you can put it in your terms of use. I suggest, especially when you do posts, that you have it on your post as I have on mine. You can look at any post on my website and there's a copyright statement at the bottom. I do that on purpose to let people know that this is my original content, my original intellectual property, and no one has the right to use it without my permission. All right, number three, your download policy. One of the big problems with the blessing of digital download and digital products is that people can download them and they can share them and post them and put them everywhere. In order to protect you and your content, which is what you sell in your business, and people under copyright law do not have the right to share content that they have purchased. Some people say, oh, well, I bought it. I can do what I want with it. No, you paid for a single use copy and you do not have the right to share it or post it or anything else. And in the case of my business, this is specifically mentioned in my terms of use. There's a download policy. My download policy states you have right to one copy, which you may download to your personal computer or digital media devices only. You may not post it anywhere. You may not share it. And if you do, I will charge you the full value of what you shared plus court costs. You need a download policy because it basically describes what customers are allowed to do with downloads. And while you do not really have any control over what they do with their downloads, you hope they're honest and usually they are, sometimes they're not. But if you have a policy there, then if something happens and they happen to share your content with a lot of people costing you thousands of dollars in lost sales, then you have a policy in place that allows you to hire an attorney and take them to court, which I suggest you do. Number four, as part of your terms and condition or terms of use is your refund policy. Now, this is especially important because if you don't have a refund policy in place, then customers will assume that they can get a full refund of their purchase at any time under any circumstances. Now, you might think that's fantastic. I want to have a 100% refund policy. I want them to be happy or I'm going to give them their money back. But if you think about what that means in terms of your business, it means that customers can use your product and whether or not they like it is irrelevant. They'll just tell you they didn't and they get all their money back. I have always been an outspoken critic of these very generous refund policies because they are open to too much abuse. And everybody said, oh, but everybody does it this way and you should do it too. I have a strict no refund policy and I do not give refunds under any circumstances. But I'll tell you what happened to somebody that I know. She had a $5,000 six-month business program and had a 100% refund policy in place. 
you got a 100% refund in 60 days. So one of her students counted one day before the six months was over and asked for a full refund, which the business coach had to give her because that was her policy. And I'm not saying that everyone's going to take advantage of you, but honestly, there are people who will take advantage of your generous refund policies. So to protect yourself, to protect your business, think very carefully about how you want a refund policy to be. Here's mine, for example. For digital programs and digital courses, especially something that they have immediate access to, there are no refunds, period. Personal sessions, coaching, any completed session, there are no refunds and there are no exceptions. Once you've talked to me, you've paid for my time, you've used my time, there are no refunds. If someone is in a coaching program and they have prepaid for a session, because they prepay for sessions during the month, and they decide to quit, then I will refund any unused sessions. But I'm not refunding the cost of the entire program. And he, again, here is where you have to consider the operations side of your business and consider your business like a business. Nobody gives 100% refunds. It's just bad business policy. It's bad for you. It's bad for your business. It's bad for your customer because they have no commitment. If they can get all their money back at any time in the process, they have no commitment and they should pay you for what they have used. So if you want to include some kind of refund policy, do so, but make sure it's very carefully considered that it's fair to you and your business and it doesn't invite abuse by dishonest customers. Let me just add this one piece. You are under no obligation to offer refunds for anything. In fact, I do not, but you are under no obligation to have a policy where you will refund a customer all or part of their purchase. All right, number five, guarantee. Now this kind of falls into the refund policy because usually they'll so you'll see pages that have a you know, 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Well, anybody can say, oh, I'm not satisfied, so I want my money back. Again, there are dishonest customers. But here's where you need to be careful about offering a guarantee. You cannot guarantee performance or outcome. You cannot guarantee any result. You need to be very careful about how you use the word guarantee in your business because I can tell you somebody who says I guarantee results is leaving them wide open to all kinds of problems including legal problems if someone decides that hey you made the guarantee I bought your product on the premise of the guarantee and I didn't get the results so now I want my money back and there are crooked attorneys too I'm just going to sue you for whatever I can get away with. The next one is pretty easy, hours of operation. Now you know, if you run an internet-based business, that your hours of operation can be rather lengthy. You can start early in the morning or end up late at night. But hours of operation state when you're available for business hours. Usually it's something like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday, and maybe you work a Saturday or a Sunday. It's also important to specify your time zone so customers can know if they want to call you what time zone you're in so they can call you at the appropriate time. I've had more than one customer calculate the time zone wrong and call me at three o'clock in the morning and then be upset that I didn't answer the phone. What this tells customers is that 
You will be answering emails, responding to questions, maybe taking phone calls or engaged in business during that time. That doesn't mean you can't work extra or be online at other times. It just means that during those specific times, you are actually working in your business. And this coincides with the number seven, the next aspect of your terms of service, and that is your service level agreement. Like me, most of you don't have a huge staff that works 24-7 that answers email within 30 seconds. I know I sure don't. But there is an expectation of response with a lot of people because if they send you an email, they expect to get an answer and they don't expect to have to wait for a day or two. But if you're a small single owner home-based business, then you don't have the staff to be able to answer your emails right away. And if your mailbox fills quickly, it takes time to go through emails. A service level agreement lets your customers know how long you it takes for you to reply to an email. In my case, it's one to two business days, longer on weekends, which means if they send the email on Friday at five o'clock, I have under my terms of agreement until Tuesday at five o'clock to respond because I don't commit to working on weekends, although I do, like a lot of you do. Your service level agreement defines the level of service they can expect and that includes not just how long it takes you to respond to an email, but it can also include things like when there's an escalation of a problem, when email doesn't answer it, how many emails do you have to send before you just pick up the phone and call the customer and try and solve the issue with a five minute phone call, which can work wonders, can work miracles, and it's so much easier to resolve a problem when you actually talk to somebody and have a conversation. So that can be included in your terms of service. For example, what's your policy regarding appointment cancellations? If you're like me, a good 30% of my business involves speaking to clients directly with online appointments that are 30 or 60 minutes. Clients can book, schedule, and pay for their appointments themselves. And then they're expected to show up at the designated date and time and call me on time. What do you do about clients who at the very last minute cancel or try to reschedule an appointment? Well, in my terms of service, they are allowed to do that once or twice, and I understand that things come up. But I've had a few clients who consistently, at the last minute, change their appointment with no warning. Now, again, as I said, I understand things come up. But when it happens three or four times up with the same appointment, to me, that shows a lack of commitment and a disregard for my schedule and a disrespect for my time, which I don't tolerate. So in my terms of service, if a client has to reschedule an appointment more than twice and doesn't give any notice, their money is refunded and they're blocked from scheduling future appointments. And I do that because when their appointment is on my schedule, nobody else can schedule that time. If they cancel at the last minute, now I have a hole in my schedule, which is fine. I have other things to do. But if I show up for that appointment, say it's the first appointment of the day, and again, they cancel at the very last minute and they do it more than once. And to me, that is just a sign of disrespect for my time and I don't tolerate that. And it's very clearly defined in my terms of service. So consider when you're thinking of service level agreement is the expectation of service 
that your customers can expect from you, which again, as I said, includes hours of operation, how long it takes you to respond to, uh, to customer requests, how you escalate customer requests, but also how you treat customers who are abusive, rude, inconsiderate, inconsistent, who maybe schedule appointments and then cancel them at the last minute, which means there's a space in your schedule that could have been used by somebody else who would keep their appointment. And it's now an open space because that person did not keep their appointment. So these are things for you to consider. And the reason they begin become important is because you'll find that customers have unrealistic expectations of a small business where they can expect like they do with any other business. Although you'll notice that big businesses like Amazon and places like that, they don't have email service. There's no customer support in Amazon. I've reported copyright infringement where somebody was stealing my books, which does happen, and reselling them under the under an ISBN where I wasn't getting any money. Your customers need to understand the level of service that they can expect from you, that there's an expectation of service, and here is what the service in my organization looks like, so that they don't think you're some big organization that they're going to send an email and get a reply within 30 seconds. And then finally, number eight, the disclaimer of results. What this means is that a lot of business owners use testimonials as examples, and they always choose the testimonials from their best customers. That makes sense, right? They're certainly not going to have testimonials from someone who says, you know, the program wasn't that great and my results were very unsatisfying or, you know, my results were mediocre. I would never take this program again. They're not going to use it as a testimonial. They want the glowing best program ever, best teacher ever. I love her. She was wonderful. She was amazing. That's the kind of testimonials they'll get. But that's not typical for everybody. Some people do really well. Other people do really poorly. And then everybody else kind of falls in the middle. So when you are using testimonials, you are going to pick the person with the best results. You also need to put in a disclaimer there that testimonials aren't typical. Their results aren't typical. It takes hard work and effort that they've been at it for a while and they've been successful. The other part of the disclaimer is if you're offering coaching for any kind of mental or emotional issues, you need to put the disclaimer that it is not a substitute for mental health services. If you are coaching for health or wellness, you must state that it is not a substitute for medical treatment. When you don't have these disclaimers in here, you don't protect yourself and you could very well be scrutinized by the FDA or by some regulatory agency and then charged with either impersonating a medical profession or practicing medicine without a license, which includes like you have to have a license to be a therapist, a, a hypnotherapist, or even just a, a regular psychologist or, or psychiatrist. Your disclaimer of results becomes very important for protecting you and protecting your business. When you use testimonials, make sure that there's a statement at the bottom of your page that says results may vary. This is not necessarily the result that everyone can achieve or everyone is capable of getting. The same thing with the hours of operation when they email you and then they have to wait for three days for a response and they're really angry. Well, because it's in your terms of service, I get to do one to two business days longer on weekends. 
this is really all about protecting your business and making sure that your business activities stay intact that even if you have to answer to some kind of legal situation or some kind of lawsuit that you have the documented procedures and policies in place that you can show the court so that if a customer demands a full refund sorry I don't give full refunds if they are going to be very upset over the testimonials you give you can show your disclaimer page that says results aren't typical these are true verified results of former students but their results aren't typical of everyone it's really important to protect yourself to make sure that you have a terms of use document or some kind of process document in place to define for your customers what they can expect from your business in, in terms of service how their complaints are handled how you help them how you talk to them but also whether or not they can expect a refund that to me that's one of the biggest and most important ones is the refund policy because I get I just don't do refunds I never have and I'm not going to start but that's something you need to consider for your business whether or not it works for you and then make sure you have a refund policy in place the service level agreement when they can expect to hear from you and how and also the disclaimers and everything that is on this list I hope you've got enough information to be able to get started with this. If you have any problems, gpsbusinessacademy.com is the premier learning resource for business advice, resources, and training for startups, restarts, and expanding empires. We are the only business training that is taught by a true business expert with the business education experience and expertise to help you create a cash flow based profit platform. So you start your business from a standpoint of profits. So make sure you get your terms of service up in place so that if a problem ever happens, you are prepared and you have something in place to handle it. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Goals, Profit, and Soul Business Show podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and that it has inspired, motivated, and energized you. Please subscribe, give it a like, and a review. Your acknowledgement helps others find us and get the information they need to turn those business dreams into an entrepreneurial reality. Join us each week for a new episode, and I look forward to our next time together.